ever heard the old adage, you shouldn't talk about it unless you've read it? Well, I'm going to break the rules because we're going to talk about it. I haven't read it, and I may never read it. It's all coming up on a very special episode of Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Everybody, welcome back to Open Loops. Thank you for listening. I am so excited. Uh, I'm very excited about this episode because I'm going to do something that probably shouldn't be done. Um, no, I'm I'm not going to judge a book by its cover, though that is one of my favorite things to do. Today, I'm going to participate in something I call Future Reviews or speculative reviewing. For those of you that are into when I make things more academic for the point of making it seem more important than it really is. That's right. Time Magazine, one of my favorites, just released an article uh, called What to Read This Summer by Andrew Archo, Annabelle Gutterman, and Katie Steinmetz. Now, I'm not sure by saying that it gives me permission necessarily to read their words, but it's early enough in the podcast that I think I can cite it's their words, Time Magazine. They've given many previews of books that are coming out this summer that we should read. And guess what? I'm going to review these books. Not review because I have, I mean, I haven't read them. I have no idea if they're going to be good. I have no idea what they're going to be like. What I will review, though, is my experience of what I think the book is going to be like and how excited I am by these journalists uh, using their words to get me excited. So we're going to go through that. I'm going to future review books I haven't read. Here we go. So let's start with June. We have The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. After moving to New Orleans as teenagers, twin sisters who shared a traumatic childhood in the Jim Crow South split ways. Desiree lives as black, white. Stella passes as white. Oh, I see. As the novel follows the estranged duo's journey as adults... Bennett creates a striking portrait of racial identity in America. I mean, okay, so we'll start there. That just sounds, I mean, perfectly suitable to this moment in time. It kind of sounds awesome. The Vanishing Half? I mean, already as a magician, I've got two things in there. We got, like, uh, someone disappearing magically and then cutting a woman in half. Now, I imagine that Brit Bennett's words, I, I imagine it's a metaphor, I imagine it's about um, a loss between uh, two family members that is obviously plays a deep role in the fabric of their own lives as well as the fabric that is uh, created as a result of s systemic racism 
uh, I'm sure that it really does bring a lot of questions, especially the idea of someone passing as white versus uh, being as black. I. It seems interesting. I, I, I think it's it's intriguing. I bet this book is going to be great and it's going to be a bestseller, and. Uh, it seems like it's a, it's 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 gonna be uh, an interesting journey, an interesting journey. Um, let's see what's what's next. The Book of Rosie, by I believe Rosaira Pablo Cruz, and Julie Schweitert Colasso. After Pablo Cruz's husband was murdered in Guatemala in 2018, she ventured north with her two sons. But when they arrived at the U.S.-Mexico border, her children were seized and placed in detention centers while she spent 81 days in a cell. Pablo Cruz's memoir sheds light on the plight of the thousands of families who have been separated at the border. Wow, guys, you really, uh, where, where's, where's, like, uh, Game of Thrones and all this? Oh, my gosh. There are t horrible stories out there of this world. And of course, Time Magazine, I mean, this is uh, an episode very much focused on uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, uh, all the names, Eric Garner, George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, I mean, all the people that, uh, the black people who have died mercilessly at the hands of racist uh, actions from police officers. So, yes, time is, of course, going to feature books more in the popular fiction context, but I, I kind of think this is where fiction is right now. Fiction is very much about, I mean, well, also memoir. It's a memoir, so I guess that's not fiction. But the other thing is, in general, I think popular reads are very much about the sociopolitical moment, um, the pain that... Uh, Americans that aren't white experience on a daily basis uh, go through. I'm sure, I mean, wow, 2018, this just happened. Uh, the Book of Rosie, I mean, I love, but Rosie doesn't draw me in as a name. Like, Rosie makes me think of, like, chick lit, which is fine. It's just not for me. Um... I bet this book will do great. I bet it's interesting. Uh, the fact that it has two authors makes me question it just because it's like, okay, well, clearly the woman, uh, I mean, maybe she needed a translator. Maybe she wasn't naturally a writer. So this person took her words, recorded the words, and made it into literature. Um, I'm sure it's fine. It's just for me, uh, I... The, the fantasy guy, the fantasist, the lupist in me is like, oh, things are getting a little real in this Book of Rosie. And you should read the story, but um, I, I watch the news so much that I'm trying to escape. Okay, let's see. Exciting Times by Noyce Dolan. Ava, a 22-year-old Irish expat living in Hong Kong, is caught in a thorny love triangle with two very different people, emotionally guarded banker Julian and affectionate lawyer Edith. Dolan's novel asks, should Ava be with the person who fits more easily into her life or explore something new? 
exciting times indeed. Why do I like that? Now that draws me in. That that draws me in on a number of levels. I'm gonna give credit to either Andrew, Annabelle, or Katie, whoever wrote that description, for ending the paragraph with a question that makes me want to dive in more. I mean, that's great. Now that is great speculative uh review material. I'm drawn in. It is a good question. I don't know about Ava. Should Ava be with the person who fits more easily to her life? On one level, yes. On the other hand, it might be time for her to branch out. Uh, gosh. I, I'm intrigued. I think, I think it is exciting times. Interested in also the expat living in Hong Kong in a thorny love trial. I mean, there are just a lot of random cultural um, mixes going on here and the love triangle and a question of, you know, romance and what it all means. This is the type of stuff that I live for. So uh, good job on describing this. And really, uh, thank you for drawing me in. Okay, coming up next, Surviving Autocracy. All right, next we got Surviving Autocracy by Masha Gessen. The National Book Award winner's latest asks how the language used by the Trump administration will impact the future of governing in the U.S., Raised in the Soviet Union, Gessen provides a personal perspective on the rise of autocratic leadership, seeking to understand the relationship between Donald Trump, the media, and the public. Wow. Uh, as much as I don't want to read more about how Trump is ruining everything, um, the idea of language used by the Trump administration is kind of cool. One of the best articles I ever read about Trump was from Scott Adams, who wrote Dilbert, that basically said Donald Trump is a hypnotist, and he's going to win. Uh, and he did. I mean, Trump definitely speaks in vague language. In hypnosis, we call the term, uh, what is the term? Oh, gosh. Nominalization, which means like, you know, like, this is a disaster. This is a, like, words that can't fit in a wheelbarrow. Abstractions. Uh, pain I'm feeling, uh, you know, like, uh, like, uh, these are the learnings you'll take on. Basically, it's kind of taking verbs and, uh, nouns and, or simpler nouns and, and, and feelings and stretching them into, like, bigger concepts that are a little more abstract that kind of trance you out a little bit. Um, you know, and, and Trump is, is definitely, uh, certainly more than Hillary was great, and engaging the crowds emotionally. Uh, that's why he's so dangerous. Sounds interesting. Surviving is a boring word to me. Autocracy is boring to me. Um, National Book Award winner, though. I mean, look, when you got a little that in the speculative review, I mean, that, that's kind of, that's drawing me in. I'm like, okay, it's probably going to be a good book. Uh, also raised in the Soviet Union. 
I feel like people raised in the Soviet Union really have an understanding of uh, political propaganda and language and the way that uh, ideology is is communicated through uh, rulers. So, you know what? Sounds like an interesting book. I bet if you read it and you want the insight, I personally don't, you'll get a lot out of it. A Burning by Mega Majumbar. In Majumbar's debut novel, Jivan is an English-language tutor from the slums of India who is wrongfully accused of aiding a terrorist attack. Her only alibi is the outcast, Lovely, who would be risking everything to help set Jivan free. Complicating matters more is P.T. Sir, a power-hungry gym teacher who is lured into helping a right-wing political party to ensure that Jivan takes the fall. Uh, I feel like I gotta read that again. I, I don't even... Look, I don't, Andrew, Annabelle, Katie, please, let's go back to exciting times. My gosh. Sounds kind of cool. We got a terrorist attack. Um, always interesting. Also, a power-hungry gym teacher named P.T. Sir is weird enough. Learned to helping a right-wing political party ensure that Javar takes the, Javon takes the fall. I bet it's good. Honestly, if you're into that kind of literature of... Debut novel. I mean, the slums of India. We got we got the international thing again. Learning about the world. Uh, I bet these characters are. You know what? Here's my theory on this one. I give this speculatively a, a B plus, uh, just because I think the characters are going to be such a draw. Um, I, I see good things for Megan Majumbar. Uh, I wish her luck with her debut novel. Okay, coming up, we got the Lehman Trilogy, Stefano Massani. It was one of the most anticipated plays to open on Broadway this spring, charting the long rise of Lehman Brothers, a financial powerhouse before its spectacular 2008 collapse. The Great White Way shut down while the show was in previews, but English-language readers can now enjoy the novelization in verse that Massani first published in Italy in 2016. Um, A. A. I give it an A. My gosh. So interested in what uh, an Italian play about the Lehman Brothers was going to be. Wish I could have seen that on Broadway. I hope one day maybe they can mount that again. But novelization, it's in verse. Um, translated from Italian. I mean, yeah, that that's good. that is the kind of like cross art genres, like, like cross genre sort of um, play I'm interested in, and novelize, and now it's a novelization in verse? I mean, my, my brain is exploding with all the possibilities, uh, which is where I want to bring my mind, so, uh, Stefano Massani, looking forward to that. Here we go, I like the title of this one. The Dragons, the Giant, the Women, Waiitu more. At five years old, Moore fled her home in Liberia on foot, with her family, as the emerging civil war threatened their safety, eventually settling in Texas. Her bruising memoir describes the perilous escape, as well as her experience of being a black immigrant living in the American South. Whoa. Wow. Very interesting. On foot? Civil war? Texas? Uh, I, I mean, I think I just came up with a, a, another alternative title for her book. Um, 
sounds very cool, very interesting. Uh, in general, I'm not a fan of memoirs just because I, I don't know, every memoir I read in high school bored me to tears. But I bet this is a very interesting uh, view of completely just upending your life. I mean, if you're going to name your book The Dragons, the Giant, the Women, you have to have some sort of uh, colossal experience that uh, was shaped by having to move on foot. I mean, this is like the, the impression here. Also, they did in this Time article have a um, a cover that is... Yeah, it is drawing me in. The cover is one of the coolest I've ever seen. Uh, check that out. I think it's going to be, if you're into memoirs, that kind of thing, it's going to be good. Our Time Is Now by Stacey Abrams. Abrams, whose name is frequently branded about as a potential vice presidential pick for Joe Biden, focuses her on her book on her major cause, voting rights. She explores the history of voter suppression in the U.S. and her own experience of running for governor of Georgia. Oh, she's a charmer, isn't she? I like her. I, I like her attitude a lot. Um, is she going to be Joe Biden's pick? That's all I can think about. Like, Stacy, it's great this book is coming out. Will Joe pick you? That's what I'm wondering. History of voter suppression in the U.S.? Yeah. Um, huge issue. Huge issue. To me, the history of that isn't necessarily like I don't want to sit through that as a book to me i don't like you know ooh, i want to go off into the land of voter suppression history but i'd be curious about knowing more of her voice especially um even if she doesn't get picked as a front runner she was so close in georgia and she really caused she really had a huge movement i think she's I think she's going places, and I'm sure her experience is one that uh, would be very intriguing to learn about uh, in, you know, establishment politics, which is traditionally white. Here we go. You exist too much. Something I say all the time to people. <laughs> Exist Too Much by Zayani Arafat, a bisexual Palestinian-American DJ with literary ambitions finds herself caught between several poles. Her two countries, virtue and desire, family and personal ambition. Arafat's novel crosses from Jerusalem to New York to Jordan to Iowa as her protagonist attempts to find love and uncover the roots of a long-held trauma. Look, I think Annabelle wrote that one. 
And I think Annabelle also wrote Exciting Times because you are drawing me in. Which one of you three? Is it Andrew, Katie, Annabelle? You know how to draw me, especially with a romance, especially with a bisexual Palestinian-American DJ with literary ambitions. Um, what? What? What kind of a description is that? It's a description that makes me want to know more. Sounds great. I give this speculative review an A uh, just because it's complete fiction, but seems like it might be based in reality. Also just has like tons of question, virtue and desire. I, I don't know the answer, which, you know, it's a, it's a constant balance. I mean, and you exist too much. Great name. So far, it might be between the Lehman trilogy and exciting times, uh, you know, you exist too much is out there for me in terms of what I'm most interested in reading right now. All right, here we go. Rebel Chef. Yeah, Vanishing Half, though, still also kills it for title. Uh, okay, Rebel Chef. Dominique Crenn with Emma Brocks. Oh, no, two titles again. Okay, here we go. When Kren was 19, she realized that in order to pursue her culinary dreams, she would have to leave France. She writes about her winding journey through an Indonesian kitchen, a victory on Iron Chef, and eventually her first restaurant. Uh, Atelier Kren in San Francisco, which would earn multiple Michelin stars. You know what? If that book is short enough sounds pretty great probably read it i mean yeah multiple michelin stars i'm interested in anybody that gets to a michelin star i've never been to michelin star diner uh dining establishment but i mean for dominique kren to get there 19 leaving france winning iron chef and multiple i mean this is like this is like the last dance of French 19-year-old rebel chefs. I like it. I'm intrigued. Rebel chef, you've got me. Now, the next one coming up. Some more title. <laughs> now, the next one coming up. Some more title. Pizza Girl by John Kyung Frazier. A fictional 18-year-old pizza delivery girl is pregnant and not exactly planning for her future until she drops off a pie at the house of Jenny Hosser, a 30-something stay-at-home mom. The two forge an unlikely bond, but it soon teeters into obsessive territory. Uh, uh, whoa. Okay, so we got a little bit of, you know, female-female romance going on. That's intriguing. Fictional 18-year-old pregnant pizza delivery girl is is pregnant? And she gets in a relationship with a stay-at-home mom? Teeters into obsessive territory? There's pizza involved? I'm in. Sounds great. Sounds nice. Sounds, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I I won't say it sounds delicious because you can't really taste what you hear 
But 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 it but uh, I, I bet the story is compelling. I hope. Okay, the secret women by Sheila Williams. Three women meet at a yoga class and bond over the recent passings of their mothers. But when the trio comes through their mother's possessions, they are shocked to discover diary entries and letters that reveal secrets about the women who raised them. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Sheila, you've written an interesting book here, I think. I mean, what are these secret diaries? What's going on in them? What could these secrets be about? Don't you want to know? Kind of drawn in. Yoga class bonding? I mean, when do women actually talk to each other in yoga class? At least they don't in New York City. They just go and then leave immediately. Secret women. Sheila Williams. Do it. Together in a sudden strangeness. Sh sorry. Together in a sudden strangeness by Alice Quinn. Editor. So not by. She's, she's editing. Oh, here we go. Isolation has long been an essential poetic theme, from Basho haiku to Neruda poems, including the one that gives the title of this timely anthology its name. 85 new poems document life and the strange new reality of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, I get it. We were all stuck. We're all trying to do something with this thing. I have no desire to read about people's new sense of isolation. People, a any form of writing is, be is being in a form of isolation. Everything I've ever read is because someone decided to seclude themselves from normal society to get out thoughts, to create things. So the idea of reading these new poems about being in COVID, I give it a solid D. I hate it. I'm not doing it. I refuse. Next book. Democracy in One Book or Less by David Litt. Speechwriter Litt was known as Obama's joke writer-in-chief, responsible for many of the president's sarcastic speeches. Litt laces his signature humor into an exploration of U.S. democracy and how it has transformed over the years. Sounds like it'll be pretty funny. Uh, Obama always had great joke writers. Uh, some uh, do that. But it's, I don't, is this the... No, no. It's not the Pod Save America guy. One of them. Uh, yeah, I bet it's good if you're, you know, I'm sure it's a funny take on, um, you know, what democracy means. Uh, I, I'd definitely pick that up. I would give that like a B for me. I haven't reviewed all of these and give them letter grades, I realize, but, uh, you know, that that's just how I would quantify that. Okay, let's move on to Party of Two by Jasmine Guillory. An innocent meet-cute evolves into a complicated secret relationship between a white politician and a black lawyer in Guillory's latest romance. When Olivia Monroe meets Max Powell at a hotel bar, she has no idea he's a senator. They hit it off and choose to keep their dating lives private, but soon the secret's out. As the media starts picking on Olivia, she has to decide whether her boyfriend is worth bearing the brunt of painful scrutiny. Wow. Wow. 
Um, I'm not interested, honestly. Like, the other kind of romantic intrigues drew me in. Whoever wrote this one? Andrew. Uh, no, I have no idea who wrote this speculative, uh, you know, the, the speculative review material here. But I have to say, it does not draw me. It's not something I really care about. Affairs in politics happen all the time. Not telling the other one. I mean, it seems like the only a white politician and a black lawyer. So it's like a black woman that gets involved. I mean, is it this? Oh, gosh. I feel like I've just seen this plot before. I Party of two. Stay that way. I'm not coming to your party. Moving on. Death into her hands. Otessa Moshfig. A widow takes a walk in the woods where she finds a note that announces the killing of a woman named Magda. There is no body to be seen, but Moshfei's isolated protagonist is determined to solve this mystery, which may not be a murder at all. I want this to be good. This sounds like it has the potential to be really interesting. Actually, maybe it really is because the cover looks great. They, they did feature this cover here. I was going to say I bet this could be like a metaphorical thing and stupid and like political. The death of what Magda is. It's a movement, not a person. And da -da 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 -da. But it's actually uh, – it's kind of drawing me in. I'm intrigued. I want to know what's going on in the woods. Uh, a widow taking a walk in the woods. Death in her hands. Lots of death mystery though as well um you know what i'm gonna give this a solid b plus i'm drawn i'd have to have someone read it first and tell me it was worth reading though that's where i'm at all right so here we go and this is the last of the first section uh of books coming out in june i'm just looking here oh gosh i cannot keep this would go on for another Oh, man, many pages coming up. Well, I'll just do Junes for, for this episode. Uh, Sex and Vanity, Kevin Kwan. Lucy, a Chinese-American New Yorker, is engaged to a man who will fulfill her power couple dreams. But when she unexpectedly... <laughs> oh, this is great. But when she unexpectedly runs into a surfer from her past, she starts to question these ambitions. In pages that move between the island of Capri and the Hamptons, the author of Crazy Rich Asians takes another humorous and heartfelt look at wealth, love, and identity. This is going to be gold. It's going to be fun. Kevin Kwan obviously can deliver. Uh, surfer from her past. I love that that's it. It's like a man who will fulfill her dreams versus a surfer. Uh, what? Why do those have to be mutually exclusive in this description? Ay, 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 that's ridiculous. Look, I would give this review, the the, or, or the actual, or, or the blurb, I'd give it a solid D for being discriminatory of surfers as a, though, though, <laughs> in terms of uh, what the book is going to be about, the the concept the the intrigue the Kevin Quad factor, a minus easily a minus. 
All right, so those are those are June's What to Read This Summer. Uh, I want to thank Andrew R. Cho, Annabelle Gutterman, and Katie Steinmetz. Uh, we'll do another one for July and August at some point. Um, I hope you've enjoyed. These are speculative, speculative reviews, future reviews. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Open Loops with Greg Bornstein. Talk to you soon. <laughs>